Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Nerd Unscripted. This is your host, Tony Leidig. And today, I thought it would be fun to discuss a topic that is something that is really prevalent in today's society. And that is distraction. I titled today um, Focus Pocus, and the, uh, the name actually comes from a book that I wanted to write years ago. Um, and I had some notes down and everything, but never really got around to writing it. Uh, but I thought it was appropriate, especially for today. Um, a couple of years ago, I bought a camera, uh, just the camera body. It was uh, 5D Mark III, so it was probably three or four years ago now. And I never purchased just a body before, but I have um, uh, multiple lenses, so I didn't really need the lens. I just bought the body. So came in the mail. I checked it all out. Everything looked good. Put a lens on it and um, turned it on and uh, pushed the shutter button down part way, so that which is how you normally get them to focus. And it was out of focus. And I tried a different lens, put it on, figuring maybe it was just the combo or whatever, out of focus again. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I just spent $3,200 on a camera body and it wouldn't focus. Then all of a sudden this idea popped into my head to check something, <laughs> which I did. Well... From the time that I had my previous camera, my eyes had changed. And uh, I had had my, my Mark II adjusted to my eyesight. And uh, for whatever reason, in the new camera, the dioptric settings were set clear to the extreme, which didn't fit my vision. So looking, you know, once I clicked the uh, shutter button to focus the lens, and then spun the little dioptric dial on the viewfinder, all of a sudden everything became clear. <laughs> and of course I felt stupid. Unfortunately, there was uh <laughs> there was no one else around. Uh very funny, Tony. And um but it, it just kind of gives an example. Like a lot of times we go through life and we think things are in focus, but they're not. Um, and, uh, we, you know, maybe we just need a set of glasses, but, or maybe we're living a delusional life, who knows? But I've noticed, especially lately over the last few years, um, how distracted people are. Uh, we were just at, um, breakfast. We had breakfast on Sunday at, uh, one of our local restaurants and, uh, there was, a table, like where we were seated, uh, there was a table back behind, like I could see them very plainly, um, behind Christmas, or Kristen, you know, looking past her. And there were three uh, older uh, folks there, probably, I would guess, early 70s, perhaps, but uh, in good health and all of that, two women and a man. One was a husband and wife, and I'm guessing the other one was a sister because she looked very, very much like the other woman. And um, 
whenever we walked in and sat down, the first thing that I noticed is that the three of them weren't talking to each other. They had their faces buried in their devices. And um, I hate to see that. I mean, it, it's, you know, we need to communicate as people. But anyways, the funny thing about it that really struck me, I actually took a picture of it discreetly, of course, but uh, what, what really uh, stood out to me is that their device wasn't their phone. Uh, they were all reading the newspaper. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, I thought, okay, so us having our faces stuck in our phone actually isn't a new thing because back in the day, whenever that was, everyone read the newspaper. So they were still distracted. It was just a different form. It's just taken on a different form today. But I think um, today our mobile devices make it that much easier because we're addicted to them. It's like crack cocaine, right? And uh, we want to be plugged in. We need to be plugged in. And one of the things that I've noticed, and this is a personal pet peeve of mine, like you want to piss me off really quickly, do this. And that is you're setting in a left turn lane and there's one person in front of you and the green arrow comes on, which means time for us to go. You know, we, it's our turn. We get to go before the rest of the oncoming traffic starts. And the person in front of you has their face buried in their phone. Don't even notice that the light turned green. And I mean, just last week, I had that happen two or three different times. Had to blow the horn. And then they get pissed off at me because I blew the horn at them. When in reality, like, are you driving your car or are you on your phone? Like, it's kind of dangerous to be on your cell phone whenever you're driving, uh, not to mention uh, against the law in some states. But it's just really annoying. Like, there's nothing unless you just found out that your mother died or something. There is absolutely no reason to be on your phone in that moment when you should be paying attention. And it's just indicative of a much larger problem. And so then you know, we see that. Right. I mean, how I remember a couple of years ago, I was down in um, Skid Row in L.A. And it was quite an interesting spectacle because I'd never been there before. And it was. Well, it was something else to see. But the one thing that was interesting to me was that nearly every single homeless person that was there and every prostitute and everyone who was there. They all had cell phones. You know, they were living in a tent surrounded by their stuff, but they were on cell phones. Like, it just boggles my mind. Like, how did they get them? But anyway, I digress. Um, whenever you take the idea of distraction and really apply it to our lives, and, and take an honest, unfiltered look at whether or not we are focused on whatever it is we're doing, like having a conversation with our wives or our children, or um, in our business, are we really focused or are we distracted? It 
honestly is scary just how distracted most people are. Kristen and I get asked all the time, how do you accomplish so much? And, um, you know, do you ever sleep? <laughs> Those are probably the two most common questions we get asked because we take massive action. You know, we both have online businesses. Um, you know, I'm doing weekly series. I'm doing uh, probably about a, co a course a month, new course a month. Uh, we have two retail stores. And that doesn't mention other businesses that we don't really talk about a lot um, besides our retail stores. Like there's other things that we dabble in that we don't necessarily talk much about uh, online. Of course, you can find out some of that uh, in the new course that we're starting tomorrow, um, Income Reboot. But we do a lot. We accomplish a lot. and. People, like, it scratches their head. They get tired just talking to us. Like, how do you do so much? It's easy. We're focused. And we've figured out ways to make decisions and make them quickly. One of the uh, things that used to drive me batty whenever my girls were little is that we would go to McDonald's and it would be time, you know, like McDonald's sells hamburgers and chicken nuggets. You know, if you really break it down for kids, it's chicken nuggets, hamburger, cheeseburger. Like those are your choices. Not that I eat there now because I don't, can't stand the food. But, um, but we would take them back in the day when, you know, <laughs> back when we were poor. And um, they would just sit there like, okay, girls, what do you want? Um, um, uh, it's like, do you want a hamburger or do you want chicken nuggets? It's like one or the other. It's a simple choice and they couldn't make up their mind. And you, you see that a lot as well. And it's all related to the same thing. Um, indecision. And in, in the online space, if you want to create, you know, a business online, and of course there's any number of businesses that you could create online, uh, even offline for that matter, um, you know, from writing books to creating courses to selling e-com products to, you know, fill in the blank. Um, the one consistent thing that, that we hear from, like we do, uh, Kristen and I both do email coaching um, and it's consistent there. Whenever we talk to people locally, it's consistent there. Whenever I've done one-on-one um, -on -one coaching, it was consistent there. And that is, I have all these ideas. I have notebooks full of ideas. How do I pick? And again, it goes back to this whole concept of distraction, um, indecision. And I think, you know, as I've pondered all of that for such a long period of time, ultimately what I realize is that there's two things at play. Um, first of all, there's this uh, false sense of connectedness that we feel, like with our phones and all of that. 
Like we feel like we're connected because we're tuned into the world or what people are saying on Facebook or whatever. And somehow that creates community for us, which is a deep desire that we all have. We want to be in community. Um, from an indecision perspective, like that doesn't necessarily impact cell phone use as much as it is um, impacting business. What I see in business, so there, there's kind of like not two sides of the same coin, but there's two different dynamics here that um, that affect our focus. One is distraction. The other is indecision. Okay, so those two dynamics. So I'm popping back and forth between those two. So with indecision, uh, one of the things that I see on a consistent basis is people have ideas. We all have ideas. Man, if you saw my idea journals, you know, you'd be blown away probably just the amount of ideas that I get on a daily basis, literally. Um, but making the right decision, like you have to make a choice. It really comes down to that. Choices require focus, but people don't want to make the wrong choice. So there's this fear of choosing wrongly because they have some set of expectations that they want to see met that they've projected into the situation that they're facing and they don't want to get it wrong. I don't blame you. I don't like getting it wrong either. I do sometimes not very often when it comes to a business decision. I don't, you know, I've been doing this long enough and I trust myself key phrase, trust myself enough to know that I'm going to pick correctly because listen, ideas are a dime a dozen. And everybody gets them. You know, um, I'm a firm believer that whenever an idea comes, no matter how innovative, you're not the only one getting it. The one who profits from it is the one who gets it to market the fastest. And if you don't do anything with it, somebody else will. Even if you don't say anything, like it's just yours. The universe is all about information dissemination. Okay, so it's real easy to get distracted, it's real easy to not know what to pick or how to choose or whatever, because we're surrounded by in information, especially in this day and age, we're inundated by it. You know, it used to be you got your information from the paper and that was it. There was no radio, there was no television. Then those came along and we got more information and, you know, and on and on it goes. So there has to be a method that we use to cut through all of it and stay focused in one task so that we can actually get something accomplished. And for me, I think part of the dynamic that plays into it is getting super clear on why you're in this planet. Like, why are you here? What, what are you supposed to be doing? That can really help... Um, filter through a lot of the noise. Um, and that's for indecision. For distraction, the uh, solution to that is simple. We have to live in the moment. You have to pay attention. Most people, like, the idea of even noticing a sunset may be, you know, pure happenstance because you're driving in that general direction at that given moment. Uh, most people's idea of looking at the sky 
is just to see if it's raining and you know and half the time we don't even look up we just hear the sound and it's like oh it's raining but we we are completely unaware of the world that's going on around us uh and you've probably had it happen i know i have um where you get engaged in a conversation you're driving a car you're engaged in a conversation or you're thinking through some things or whatever and all of a sudden you drive by your exit <laughs> you know it's like where am I? <laughs> All of a sudden you become cognizant of your surroundings and it's like, I don't even know where I am. I think I was supposed to exit two exits ago or something uh, because we just zone in. We don't pay attention anymore. You know, much less um, little cues and signs that we get from the universe that say things like, hey, here's your answer. And then we wonder why we're not getting answers. You know, well, I do what Tony says, and I set an intention before I go to sleep, and, you know, so that my subconscious can come up with an idea in the morning, and nothing happens. And that's just not true. What happens is that we don't catch it, or we dismiss it, or we're too distracted to pay attention. It's one of the reasons why, on a fairly consistent basis, I pace. I shut down anything and everything, and I just walk around the house, either upstairs or downstairs, and I just ask questions and listen. And I've talked about this before. Ask questions and listen. Um, but ultimately, the secret to success, quote-unquote, comes down to making a choice for, uh, for um, indecision and it comes down to living in the moment, paying attention. You know, um, there's times where it's important to to be on our mobile devices. Um, I probably make more money off of doing stuff on my phone than I do, you know, in other situations because I I'm not a can't say that I have any kind of skill whatsoever at multitasking. But by the same token, there's stuff that I can get done. You know, like one of the things that I enjoy doing, um, we go to auctions on a pretty regular basis right now anyway. Um, we kind of go through cycles, but we're averaging maybe one or two a week. And, you know, whenever you're in a big auction, whether it's 12 or 1,500 lots, you're not going to be interested in everything. You just aren't. Could be, because <laughs> some of it's super cool. But, you know, you can't be. So in those times where there's selling stuff that you're not interested in, you could just sit there and take it in and enjoy it. Um, for me, most times I have Evernote open, and I'm outlining courses, I'm putting notes down that, you know, ideas that come to me or whatever. Uh, and it saves me a huge amount of time rather than just sitting there. Sometimes we'll, Kristen does this more than I do, but we'll often also go with laptops and we'll just sit there and work until, you know, um, we have the lot numbers chosen that we want to bid on. And whenever those, we hear those numbers called, you know, we're, we're paying attention. It's like we move from one focus to another focus and boom, we're on it. Uh, and so I feel like the success that I have in my life has come from 
two things, living in the moment and being really focused on what I want. I don't know if any of you do auctions or not. Um, they're a hell of a lot of fun. But if you have a lot of different interests like I do, it can be really easy to get caught up in the moment. And especially if you haven't done your homework and you haven't researched stuff, um, you end up buying all kinds of crazy stuff that A, you overpaid for, B, you'll never do anything with, and C, you weren't on task. You know, it's like, are you here to buy toys or are you here to buy, um, you know, Princess House glass or whatever? I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, but uh, it's important to stay focused. Same thing with the courses that I create. Um, one of the things that I love about Nerd Unscripted is that I can be all over the place a little bit uh, because different topics are going to speak to different people. And that part's fun. And so I appreciate having that opportunity with this show. And the same is kind of true with Expert Media University. Um, I can be a bit diverse. So teach on public domain one week and, you know, teach on sales platforms the next week and teach on something completely unrelated, illustrating kids' books the following week. And um, so there's some diversity in that. But while it looks like distraction and diversity, uh, in reality, whenever I'm working on whatever episode it is that I'm working on or whatever course that I'm working on, nothing else exists except that. And if I get an idea, which I do, I get a lot of them, they go into a note in Evernote. And I have lots of them. I have enough ideas for the entire year. Whether some of those will happen, I don't know, because I can guarantee you that I'm going to get more ideas. But to stay on task and to stay in the moment, like today, the only after this show is over, the only thing that will exist is what I'm teaching tonight. That's it. Um, there may be times where I take a mental break, like at lunch or something, and that's when I'll catch up on news, like what you know what's happening in the uh, Star Wars toy space or whatever. Um, but even that's research, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like I talk a lot about research because I think research is important. Um, and I, I think there are folks who would love to see a magic button that makes research easy so that they can get focused and filter through all the noise and the distraction and in the indecision and, you know, just figure out what kind of product should I make? What should the trend or the theme be? What's the current trends? Is there one niche better than the other? Like I get these questions all the time. You know, how do I know it's a good niche? Or how do I know this is a good topic to write a book about? Or what should my next journal be about? Or whatever. To me, whenever I get questions like that, it tells me that you haven't done your homework. You haven't done any research whatsoever, or you don't know how. And, um, and it's because I think a lot of people's definition of research is 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe an hour, and you're done. Uh, and still unclear because you don't know how to research. I research 8 to 10 hours a day. Literally, 
eight to 10 hours a day. The course creation is a small part of that, but every course that I create, I'm looking for the latest. I'm looking for the newest. How do you think I find all the software programs that I teach on? Because I go 30, 40 pages deep in Google searches looking for new software. Because I spend time in the app store on my iPhone looking for new software, reading the reviews, downloading it and testing it to see if it's crap or not. Um, I just got into silver collecting and coin collecting, right? I'm a novice. I know very, very little. So hours upon hours of learning those markets so that I don't do something stupid and waste my money because I think something is cool when in reality it's a waste of money. Uh, it's just in order to sort through the noise and to sort through the distractions, you have to research. You have to know what's going on. You have to be informed. And that's with anything, you know, including spending time with your children or your grandchildren or your spouse or whatever. It even applies to relationships and all of that. And unfortunately, people want an easy button or they don't want to have to deal. You know, like I just noticed um, Mark showed up. So Mark is a sculptor, among many other things. He's a lot like me um, with lots of ideas in a lot of different directions. Do you think he just naturally got a download and all of a sudden he was smart and how to do all that stuff? No, not any more than me. You know, you learn by doing, you learn by studying and it takes time. It's a process. And, you know, it seems like anymore. Well, actually it isn't just lately. It's been an ongoing thing ever since I've been in business online is that people see the money and they love the opportunity, or at least they buy into the opportunity because it gives them a chance to get away from working for the man. And there are many marketers that are selling courses out there that don't actually tell you the real work behind their success. They don't tell you the real, uh, the real research that it took behind their success. They just tell you their success. So they're selling hope. And we all buy into it. You know, we buy into the hope. And uh, that's why you'll notice that there aren't many biz ops that I present. I teach practical instruction on how to do X, Y, Z. You know, I don't make income promises or anything like that. The new course that Kristen and I are teaching is probably one of the first biz op type courses that we're teaching just because they're brain dead simple. That's why we're sharing them. It's like we keep getting asked over and over and over again. If you were to start over, what would you do? We're going to tell you exactly. We're doing all of them anyway. But if I was starting over, literally, this is where I would start. What we're going to be sharing in Income Reboot. But, you know, um, a really good example, uh, just to be incredibly transparent, is several months ago, uh, we hosted a guy who was selling an opportunity, and that was to make um, stuff that worked on um, the little Amazon Alexa devices. Skills, I guess they're called, to make skills. And 
sounded like a great opportunity. And it was a very high price point. And um, whenever I had some questions, but we had committed to to promoting it and some of our friends have promoted the offer and maybe some of you remember it or maybe even bought the course. Whenever I saw the members area, I thought, oh dear God, this is potentially a disaster. Um, but we talked to him. He said he was going to be adding more content. Okay, fine. That's good. And it's the only time ever that I promoted someone that I absolutely regretted. And the reason why, for multiple reasons, um, and one of the big reasons, and I'm just being really honest here, um, one of the reasons is because the uh, what he offered didn't live up to his hype. And he was selling an opportunity, he was selling hope, but he wasn't clear on it himself. And the course ended up having um, nearly a 50% refund rate, which is insane. I've never seen that. Like, my refund rate is like 0.01% or some crazy thing like that. And uh, so to have a 50% refund rate on a high-ticket item, um, I think... Well, and all of us, everyone who promoted it had the same experience. I think for us, it cost us $14,000 or something like that. I forget. But it was a huge disaster. I mean, you know, we contacted PayPal and recommended that they shut his account down. I mean, all kinds of stuff. It was just a nightmare. Some people still had some success in spite of the training that he offered. Um, but still, it was crazy. And it just, to me, one of the things that it demonstrated is how desperate people are for an easy button. Um, they don't want to do the work, but yet start a retail store, start your own painting business, open up a bakery, um, you know, fill in the blank, pick any job that you would do yourself. There's startup costs, there's learning curves, there's sales and marketing tactics, there's all of that stuff. It requires work, you know. I don't make what I make because I just sit on my ass sipping my ties all day, like some folks have mentioned in the past. It just doesn't work that way. But it's like people get, you know, they have a desire to act on ideas that they've been given that are quality ideas. And all of a sudden they freak out because they don't know which one to pick or whatever. And they don't understand that the distraction and the indecision is literally just coming from them not doing what they need to do. And that is spend time researching, um, you know, working with coaches, coaches can help focus you and then actually doing what the coaches say. I mean, that's another thing that we see people pay us money, ask for our insight. They haven't made any money online we've made millions of dollars online. We give them sound advice and then they don't act on it. Why? Like, why is that even a thing? And it happens more than not. It's simple. They don't want to do the work. They want an easy button or they feel they know better. 
And like for me, I'm unattached. I could care less. If I give you advice and you don't act on it, it's it's on you. It's not on me. I don't care. I might get a little pissed about it because why pay me money for an answer that you're not going to do anything with? Why buy a course from me if you're never going to actually take action on it? I mean, I even see that where people will ask questions that are answered in a course that they bought, but they won't take the time to actually go in and watch the videos because it's easier to post a question in a Facebook group so that I can answer directly. I'm not going to do that. Sorry. To me, you just said, I'm lazy. I'm not interested in getting my work done. And then we all wonder why we don't succeed or experience the level of success that we want. It's because we're not focused. It really is that simple. You know, um, President Trump, love him or hate him, it doesn't really matter to me. But the one thing I'll give the guy is that he is focused. And I appreciate that about him. I mean, I've read a lot of his books well before he ever ran for president. The dude knows business inside and out. And to not pay attention to his business savvy is just stupid. I mean, honestly, the dude's a billionaire for a reason. But it requires focus. And he's got a lot of noise around him. I mean, holy cow. It's insane. I would never want to be in that position. But it's really simple. Now, let's say... Just let's flip the coin over. I'll step off of my soapbox. Let's say that you make the decision to get focused and that you actually start aligning with the ideas that are coming to you and you take action. Maybe you don't know exactly for sure what you're going to do yet, but you're taking steps in the right direction. Like, I'll give you a really great example. So tonight's episode for Expert Media University is on um, sales platforms. How to sell without a website. How to sell anything without a website. The decision for that theme happened an hour ago. All week, I was planning to teach something else. And there was, and I may teach it at some point. I don't know, maybe. But there was this something like I was pretty focused and it's a topic that I love and a topic that I can teach the daylights out of. But there was this underlying something that I can't explain that kept me distracted on moving forward with it and can't explain it other than it. Maybe it's just not time to teach this particular topic yet. Maybe there's going to be somebody there tonight that needs to hear something else. I don't know. Who am I to question? But when I really quieted myself down and it's like, okay, so I got to teach this in a few hours, whatever it is. So I kind of need to know. Like, that's how I woke up this morning. Actually was asking, what's the topic for today's Nerd Unscripted? What's the topic for today's Expert Media University? Because I just wasn't feeling confident in it. The moment that I actually, instead of assuming that I knew what tonight's topic was going to be, as soon as I got quiet and listened for a half a second, boom, instantly I knew what I needed to share. Easy. And 
that's one of the things that I've really learned that I think I'm pretty decent at now. Haven't always been. But whenever you combine the ability to actually make decisions and focus in the moment on what you're wanting to focus on, it doesn't have to be business. It could be anything. But um, whenever you put those two things together with following your gut, it's powerful. It's really powerful. That way you can kind of like you can be heading in a diff in a general direction. It's kind of like driving down the road in uh, an area that you're unfamiliar with. And GPS says that you got to, you know, turn right on this road that's coming up. Problem is there's a block roadblock up and it says bridge out. And this is the direction that you're supposed to go. And you don't know the area. Um, they may or may not have detour signs, but you don't know where they're going to lead. You don't know if they're going to put you off track or you're going to miss another turn because you couldn't be on that road. You don't know. So your GPS, even though it's telling you to turn right, you go straight. Well, immediately it recalculates your route based on your choice and tells you a different path. And our gut is a lot like that. All that you need to be doing is making a choice, making a decision to go in a certain direction. If it ends up being the wrong choice, make a different one. You know, the world doesn't end. You just made a different, you just make a different choice. And then, you know, your gut, your emotions, whatever, adapts and says, oh, okay, so here's what I want you to do now. So the, um, the process to focus, the real secret to focus is making one decision. And that's the one immediately in front of you. Making one decision. Not allowing any other distractions to influence you. In other words, staying in the moment on what this one decision is. And then pay attention to what your gut's telling you. Like, listen to your gut. Um, or your spirit, or however you want to define it, doesn't matter. Whatever phrase works for you, but it's the same nonetheless. You know, the knowing that you feel like this is right or wrong. Um, and sometimes it can get pretty loud. Like I remember, um, I think it might've been last year or two years ago. I forget now. I had booked a trip to a conference, paid a lot of money because I had air, you know, um, I already had my airplane booked, um, had the hotel booked, paid, I forget how much, thousand bucks for the ticket to the event and everything. And the closer I got to leaving time, the deeper the pit in my stomach seemed like it felt. And I couldn't get away from it. I couldn't shake it. And so ultimately, I didn't go. I decided, you know, I know this is going to cost me money. I mean, cost me a lot of money, but I decided not to go. I think I lost probably sixteen or seventeen hundred dollars, something like that. And but I didn't go. 
Now, the plane didn't crash or anything like that. The event was a success. There were some things that happened locally that would have been challenging had I not been here. And so I was able to be around and take care of things. But, uh, and so I attribute it to that. I was able to be here. So it's important to listen to that. I mean, most of the sessions that I'm teaching here, um, I, I'm taking one step in a direction and the rest of it is auto, uh, autopilot, sort of, kind of. Um, whatever's popping into my head is what I'm sharing. And uh, it takes practice, honestly, to, to get to that point to where you can really trust yourself. Um, it requires a level of knowing why you're here on the planet, knowing what skills you have, believing in them and believing in yourself, loving yourself, like all the things that I always talk about. Um, I talk about them on a regular basis for a reason. And that's because once you start stepping into that self-love, self-confidence, those kinds of things, a lot of the background noise will vanish. Because you'll no longer be questioning everything. You just know. You know why you're here. You know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're good at. And everything else is just play. Which is a fun part of the whole process. You know, it doesn't have to be serious. Like, oh my God, what if I make the wrong choice? Doesn't matter. You know, make a different one. And I'm primarily talking business here. <clears throat> as far as choice making, but like um, one of the topics that Kristen and I are going to be talking about, actually it's module one, <clears throat> module one in this income reboot thing. Um, we're going to be talking about low content books. That's module one. <clears throat> it's one of the methods that if we had to start over from scratch, that we would take a serious look at, but not just any low content books very specific types of low content books. And we're going to, uh, in the training, I'm not going to divulge everything here, but in the training, we're going to get very, very specific on niches and how to approach them and all of that. Um, it's not going to be a how to design as much as it is how to choose. Okay. Um, and some of that is coming from this perspective that I was talking about where there's, I mean, when it comes to low content books, and that takes in a lot of different kinds of books from coloring books to puzzle books to children's books, coffee table books, journals, planners, um, on and on it goes, right? Puzzles. Um, like, A, how do you pick which type of low content book? B, which topics make sense or not? Um, see how many should I make and how diverse or different or whatever should they be? These are questions we get all the time. They're questions that we have ourselves. And we figured some things out on how to remove a lot of the noise. But it comes down again to confidence in yourself. It comes down to research, and we're going to show you how to research, and um, and then just making the choice and getting it done, 
like it's, it's one thing to say, I'm going to create a book about X or I'm going to create a planner for weddings or whatever. One thing to make the decision, and that's an important decision to make, but it's another one to finish it and actually have it available for sale. You don't get stuff done. Guess what? How much money is going to make you? Zero. You know, zero. And it's not to say that, um, you know, you're going to make a hundred grand a year plus by creating and selling coloring books. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not the point of even what we're going to be talking about in the course. Um, but the big challenge, if you haven't figured this out yet, is that regardless of if you want to be an entrepreneur, like a real entrepreneur and not a one-entrepreneur, but you want to be an entrepreneur, have your own business, whether you're selling online or offline, the opportunities are staggering. I mean, just literally staggering to the point where it can completely shut you down because you don't know which direction to go. I get it. Um, and that, again, is why we're doing this course, to help filter through some of that. Um, but the best skill that you can really develop, besides being able to make decisions and stay on task rather than be distracted, um, is to understand how to get the information you need and just the information you need. Like as a researcher who, like I shared earlier, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, and that's not an exaggeration, by the way, it's probably even more than that if you get right down to it. But um, eight to 10 hours of research a day, you come across a lot of stuff that um, may have nothing to do with what you're researching. And it may be incredibly appealing and it could click some ideas in your thinking that you'd never considered before and now all of a sudden this is the the newest best greatest thing ever and you have to be able to set that aside and stay on task that's the one thing that i've really learned and i research in a lot of different ways not just in what i teach online by the way which of course there's always research behind it I want to know what's working and what isn't working. I want to know the latest technology. I want to know the latest sales platforms, whatever the case may be, because it's constantly changing. What worked today or worked, you know, two years ago may not work today. So that's why that. But again, with my other businesses, we have two retail stores. One's pop culture and one's toys. So what toys are selling and which ones aren't? What's the state of the toy industry, you know? Disney and Hasbro's fourth quarter earnings just came out over the last week or two. Um, what did they say? You know, that's the kind of stuff that we're researching. What are the new products coming out? What are the sales happening with those? Like even in our store, I think I shared, I don't know if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, if I did, I don't remember. But like, in our retail stores, we track literally everything, like literally everything. And then we can get into those numbers, which my son-in-law handles a lot of that. And so, you know, whenever somebody comes into our store, whoever, whichever employee is at the front, 
but we also had a security camera, so that this could be done from the back. Um, how many's in the party? What are their approximate ages? How long do they stay in the store? What do they look at in the store? Do they buy anything? Um, what did they buy? Um, amount of, I don't remember if I shared this, but amount of time in the store. Um, do they pay by credit card or cash? If they pay by credit card, what is their yearly total to date? Um, you know, all of that stuff we're tracking. Every bit of it in retail. And it gives you a lot of interesting data that you can learn to help you make decisions. Because at the end of the day, it's best guess. You know, and even in the auction environment, like whenever I go to an auction, which we're going to one on Saturday, um, supposed to go to one last night and it got canceled because of the weather. Um, I will not go into an auction and bid on something if I don't know what it's selling for or what it's worth. Because it's real easy in that environment to get caught up in the emotion of the time. I mean, it's an adrenaline rush. It's the ultimate treasure hunt. Um, it's one of the reasons why I enjoy it. But, you know, you go in there willy-nilly and don't know. And I can tell if you don't know, if you haven't done your research, I can tell. Um, and uh, I especially enjoy it when people who haven't done their research bid against me. Because one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to win or you're going to pay too much. It's one or the other. Because I know what the margin is. I know how far I can go. And um, most people just don't, which is why I can go into an auction like last weekend. They were selling Stife Bears, among other things, and I love Stife Bears. Um, but no one there had done their homework. Because if they had, I wouldn't have won. Uh, I actually left left bids. Uh, I wasn't even physically there. I talked to the auctioneer before the auction started and left bids on some of these Stife Bears, five of them. I won three of them. Uh, because I did my homework, I knew what they're selling for now. One of the bears that I got is selling for $500 all day long on eBay. I bought it for 180 And my maximum bid was um, about 60% under what it's currently selling for. So I usually go 50 to 60%. And so I knew that if that bear cost me more than $200, or 200 and a quarter that my margin was going to be limited if I wanted to resell it. And so that's what I put literally half of what it's selling for right now. And people didn't know they were just guessing, Oh, that's really pretty, <laughs> you know? Um, and, uh, of course I won. because of the research. So I literally research every single thing that, <clears throat> that I bid on an auction. Why do I do that? Because early on I lost my shirt. That's why I get emotionally attached and engaged and end up spending $300 on something that's worth like 50 bucks. Been there, done that because it's a form of distraction, right? You get caught up in the emotion of it all. So it really applies in every area. You know, every MLM that's out there, which I may or may not have 
something against MLMs in general, but there are some that I actually do buy products from. But and I've participated in several. So, you know, as a insider, I have at least some right to comment. But every MLM that's out there uh, in their marketing is the greatest thing you ever needed, right? And as a matter of fact, it's so awesome and so great, they're going to charge you three times what it's actually worth and stick you on a monthly program so that they can milk you for everything that they have. Now, not all of them, obviously. There's some now that have smartened up to the point where it's like, hey, we can actually make money off of retail. Like, there's some that we buy on a regular basis, some of, uh, like, doTERRA and some of those that we'll invest in. And even, like, there's a couple products that NewSkin puts out, which I used to be a rep for, and I still love their products. Expensive as hell, but the quality is there. Um, and I was just presented with products from one this past week. And you read the hype. Holy crap. But yet you go to Better Business Bureau and guess what? They have an F rating with the Better Business Bureau. And, you know, their health claims are um, not verified by the FDA and they're very misleading. And it's like, okay, I don't think so. <laughs> but you read the sales page, you talk to the salespeople, you know, the people who are trying to get you to buy their shit, um, you know. Your life is about to change as you know it, except that it's not. The only way it's going to change is that you're going to be, you know, have less money in your pocket. Um, and so, again, research tells you that. Like, if you present me with an opportunity that's the greatest thing since sliced bread, before I make a decision, I'm going to research the hell out of it. And I'll probably tell you things about your opportunity that you will not even know because I take that time. And so that keeps me on task. It keeps me focused. It keeps me from not being distracted by other stuff. But yet I can show you my, um, uh, my Evernote, <laughs> my Evernote program with the hundreds of note notes that are in there. And, uh, there's some great ideas, some ideas in there that I absolutely love. Uh, and they may never see the light of day, ever. Because I get them, I put them in there, I forget about them. And if I get more information on them, fine. I'm cool with that. Um, and uh, otherwise, I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> you know, don't, don't get in my way. I need to get stuff to do. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I get upset when people, you know, are busy having their face in their phones and not turning left when the light turns green is because I've got stuff to do. Like, you know, you're preventing me from being focused and on task. Um, so get out of my way. You know, thank God, like car to car RPGs are illegal <laughs> because I'd probably have one like right on top of the Mercedes, probably a couple of them, you know, like a James Bond vehicle or something. That'd be awesome. Um, it's like, get out of the way or else. Now, obviously I wouldn't like legitimately on purpose, kill people. <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy, but still, 
um, my encouragement to you in all of this is that whatever you choose to do, do it well and do it at 110, 150%. And it will, it will repay you in kind. Okay. Um, you have to believe in yourself. You have to trust yourself. And if you're getting advice from professionals, follow it. You know, makes sense. Um, because at the end of the day, we can think, oh, no, that ain't going to work for me. Um, or that just don't feel right to me that I should do that. Then you need to ask a question before you decide to ignore this input that you're getting. Uh, and this is purely business. How much are they making per year? How much are you making per year? Somebody making 20 grand a year is not going to dictate to me how to run my business. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you want direct input into my business, you better be seven figures or higher. Uh, otherwise, I may or may not even pay attention. Because ultimately, the proof is in the pudding, right? Proof is in the pudding. So, um, and usually, those that have the pudding are focused and they're researchers and they know how to control distraction and they understand the importance of living in the moment. Um, actually, uh, where this became real for me was in 2012, the living in the moment part. I knew that I wasn't because I was very future forward thinking and uh, I shared the story many times how I wanted to do something that would force me to live in the moment. And that's why I did my um, Skies 365 series where I photographed the sky every day in 2012 um, for the entire year. And I actually did it. <coughs> I shot 40,000 photos or 50,000 photos to get those 365, but I did it. It was probably one of the smartest things I've ever done in my life. One of the smartest decisions because it literally changed my business. It changed my personal life. Um, whenever I look back over the course of my life, and there's been a lot of things that have happened, 2012 is a banner year. Um, a lot of things changed. It's also the year I made a lot of stupid decisions. <laughs> but fortunately... I can look at that time and see where it got my attention so much that it had a profound effect on where I am now. And that's been seven years now. Kind of hard to believe. Um, but anyway, my encouragement to you is to really take a look at what you're doing and where you're struggling and ask the question, am I struggling because I'm distracted? Because I am unsure of what I'm doing. Am I struggling because I'm just not doing what I need to do to get it done? And then ask, so what choice can I make? One choice, one decision. What's the next one choice that I can make that will put me on the path to accomplish what I need to accomplish?
Don't try to figure out the whole plan right now because you'll end up never doing it. You know, we get so caught up in the plan that the plan never actually takes place. So one choice, one decision, do that. And then the next choice, the next decision, do that and so on. And before you know it, you'll be like, holy crap, you know, I taught 187 episodes of Expert Media Show. How the heck did I do that? One episode at a time. <laughs> That's how. This is an interesting question. Tony says, if phones, etc., couldn't do color graphics, I wonder if so many people would be reading them as much. That's an interesting question. Probably not. Mavis says, uh, kind of dangerous to be on cell phones when driving. Oh, yeah, I was in two accidents with serious consequences for me, both caused by drivers on cell phones. Yep, I believe it. And uh, let's see, Mavis also shares cell phones for the homeless. A lot of well, welfare recipients are given phones for emergency purposes, which also allows them to do local texting. Well, the one guy that I talked to um, used them to uh, communicate with John's because he was a male prostitute. And really sad story. Um, he had physical deformities. <coughs> so a really cool um, black guy. He had the voice of an angel, like literally this dude could sing like there was no tomorrow. But he um, he was rejected by. I forget what happened. His mom died and he was living somewhere else and got kicked out for whatever reason, ended up on Skid Row. And. Um, he. Uh, needed to make ends meet. And so the only, like, the only thing that he could think of that made sense to him, he was uh, doing drugs. I'm not, I don't remember which kind. This is back in 2013, I think, uh, whenever I was there. And, um, but he would prostitute himself to men. And a friend of mine and I, decided to help him to see if we could help him um we came up with money for a plane ticket um his grandmother lived in chicago we got in contact with her um and because he just he kept saying over and over i just need a break i need to you know i just i don't like doing this i just need a break <coughs> and so ultimately we bought him a plane ticket back to see his grandmother, to live with his grandmother and gave him some other opportunities and stuff. And probably a year later, we got a, uh, an email from him that he had done it. He, uh, he moved in with his grandma. Um, he got a job. Um, he had started doing some singing and stuff like that. And he was incredibly happy. And um, 
And so that was a that was a really cool end result. I mean, you wish you could help everyone, right? But for whatever reason, he just really um, there's just a real connection with him, and it was cool to see him come out of that. But it it definitely was um, a challenge to to be in that space and not very safe. Probably not the smartest decision ever made. Uh, Liz says, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Haha, <laughs> notebooks full of ideas that never happen. Um, glad you made it here, Mark. William says, the fact that you can focus suggests you don't multitask. Multita multitasking is distraction driven. Your conscious mind can focus only on one thing at a time. You are not multitasking at an auction. You focus on the auction only when you hear specific lot numbers being called or something that triggers your unconscious to send the info to uh, you here to your conscious mind so that you can focus on it. Otherwise, you're focused on course creation or whatever you're working on with your device and tune the auction out. Yeah, that's exactly it. And see, that's why, like sitting in front of me, the auction I was supposed to go to last night was a coin auction. And um, they moved it to Thursday, which means I can't go because it's Valentine's Day and I'm not going to go to an auction when I can, you know, spend time with Kristen. And um, but I have uh, I may do some left bids because they have some pretty sweet things on this auction. But um, looking at the auction flyer that I have here, um, the whole thing is research. There's prices beside nearly every offering that they have in the auction there's over 300 um, lots <coughs> and so the ones that i'm definitely not interested in there are no prices and so i have no idea what they're actually worth so i i just won't get involved in the pricing or the bidding at all there's zero temptation there because i have no idea what it's worth and i'm not going to overspend because i'm i don't know this market really super well yet um i mean i can do research but this is an interesting aha for me and this is fairly recent uh well no it's not really recent i've actually practiced it for a while but um where it came through my thinking in a very clear way is that anybody can research and we see it all the time in an auction i mean i ran into a situation at the last auction we were at where they were getting ready to drop the gavel on something I was bidding on. And uh, at a very reasonable price. And there was somebody, an older couple, setting two rows up for me where the wife, while the bidding was going on, must have did an eBay search and saw that this particular item was selling on eBay for what it was actually worth. Well, of course, I already knew that. I already knew what it was selling on eBay for and what it was, what it has sold for in the past. Like, I already knew that. She discovered it. And just as they're getting ready to drop the gavel, she th shows her husband the phone and says, you should get in on this. And he started jacking the bid price. And so... Uh, he didn't know anything about it. He had no attachment to it whatsoever. He just saw quick money, an easy button. And he didn't win. I did. But it cost me an extra, 
$75, I think, because of that. It pissed me off. Um, and so I had to pay an extra 75 bucks. I still had margin, plenty of margin on it, because um, I knew how far I could go. But it just, it was one of those things, like anybody can research, but that doesn't make you an expert. And there's a big difference. Like, I'm not an expert at buying silver or, you know, or knowing numismatic values of Morgan silver dollars. But, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of research and I can read numbers. I have apps, there's websites I visit, all of that. But there's nothing like talking to actual coin collectors. Like, they know what stuff is worth. Some of the guys that I go to auction with, they've been collecting coins for 50 years. So they know, you know. And uh, so learning and researching doesn't necessarily make you an expert. It just makes you informed. And there's a big difference that a lot of people don't understand. And there's some things, though, uh, at auction that I am an expert in. And, you know, if you want it, it you're going to have to pay for it if you're bidding against me. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to, because I know what the margins are. And if I, especially if I, if like, if I'm planning on buying to collect as a collector, I'll pay more than if I'm buying to resell. Um, and so if I'm reselling, you may win it. Because if you're a collector, I'm a reseller. Um, you're going to be willing to spend more money than I am. But so back to what William said, whenever I'm sitting at the auction and I look down at my sheet and there's no price, I'm not even engaged, you know, but whenever my lot comes up that I'm interested in, like, you know, this particular auction, uh, lot 100 is a 1937 D3 leg of Buffalo nickel. Like, Whenever I hear lot 100, I look down the, the price and value of that is sitting right there. I don't have to guess, you know, the research is done. So I can literally be in the moment for that particular bid and then out again. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I agree, William. He says, uh, I believe that it is the prevalence of distraction that is responsible for the significant interest today in the concept of mindfulness. Absolutely, I agree with that. Interesting. Jess says, I take too many courses and I'm not focused on one, yet my life has always been like that. The funny thing is that after searching for and finding my sister after 49 and a half years, my sister is the same way. I wonder if it's hereditary. I don't know. It's more common than not. I mean, I know that. All you have to do is look around. Um, but I don't know. It's an interesting question. I didn't really consider too much about a you know genetic kind of connection to distraction. Mark says, um, <clears throat> I have a personality that my daughter describes as shiny, as in, oh, look, shiny. I can be derailed easily by the possibilities that surround this all the time. I think it's because I can see them in my hyper out-of-the-box thinking. But it is not always a boon. Sometimes it'd be better to not go shiny. Frustrated with my skill level in that regard, 
a few years ago, I did a deep dive meditation. And the answer I got back was you need to, you need an on-demand reminder to focus when you need it. So I designed an ambigram and had my first tattoo done. So now I have focus no matter how you look at it. And it helps. It reminds me I don't always listen because I love serendipity and the payout that it provides. I didn't want to disparage or diminish that. So I do realize a tattoo will probably not be the answer for everyone. But the step back to analyze was the key. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. Not so much tattooing, but have um, having something as a reminder to step back. It's a real key statement that you made there, to step back. Um, I haven't always been the way I am now. I mean, it's a process, right? And one of the things that I've learned is that there's been several times and probably most, if not all of you have experienced this as well, where you're faced with a decision and you have to make the choice right now. And actually that's a tactic that a lot of salespeople can use to get you to make a choice that you shouldn't be making. Um, And so that's why like I will always take a step back and analyze and process and ponder um, and apparently it's part of my makeup anyway um, to do that. I, if anything, I probably take a little longer than I should. Um, but I still make the choice one way or the other. Um, because I think an informed choice is a smart choice as opposed to just totally flying by the seat of your pants. But within um, the serendipity dynamic that Mark mentioned, I believe that we can, in some respects, have it both ways because um, you can trust the serendipity is going to happen. The synchronicities are going to happen. And then when they do, be paying attention inside to see what your subconscious is saying or to see what the divine is saying or whatever. And take a step back. It's like, wow, this is awesome. Okay, now what do I do with it? Okay. Let's do this. Let's not do this. Whatever the choice is. And um, to me, I kind of refer to it all as like a form of play. You know, and I firmly believe that adults don't play enough. But you know, I think we can have fun even in trying to make our decisions. Tony says, just after this uh, Nerd Unscripted session started, my partner Sue asked me to look in the garage for a glue gun that we used years ago. I was looking over the shelves but didn't get any vibes. Sue said she was getting vibes from a cover under the bench. That's where it was. The vibes work. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. And Jess says, I'm happy to hear about the course. I need it so very badly. It's going to be a good one. Um, I'm looking forward. Well, we both are. It's one of the first things that we're co-teaching. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, one thing about um, what you're sharing about your Tuesdays, Mark, is that 
the replays are available Wednesday through Sunday. <laughs> you would just miss live, that's all. Yeah, that's a good point. William says, since we can learn to focus better, I would sooner think the issue of distraction is a learned behavior as opposed to being the result of genetics. Yeah, I would I would probably be inclined to think that. I mean, I don't know. Like some folks say that ADHD can be genetic, and maybe that's true, but I think it's a product of our times in a lot of respects. Um Certainly, we don't know everything that's going into our water and our food and all of that, and that can, uh, much less vaccines. And all of that can contribute. Um, but I don't know. <coughs> I would personally tend to agree with you, William, just because um, there is certainly an element of learned behavior to it that can be changed. I've seen it, I've done it myself, you know. I am not the man I once was. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's all I have, folks. Thank you all very much uh, for joining me again. <laughs> Mark says, I think a lot of ADHD was beaten out of the past generations. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> I know uh, my dad and his belt, man. He would come home from work, poor guy. Like you need to, you need to spank Tony, you know, give him the belt. Like I just got home from work. What did he do this time? <laughs> you know, it was a very common conversation in our house when I was young. Yeah. Kathleen uh, says there really are neurological differences. We are not all exactly alike research shows that yeah I, that makes sense i mean seven billion people on the planet plus all that lived before us can't imagine that we'd all be the same for sure so anywho uh thank you all very much for your input i always enjoy much more last week's tech issue with me not being able to see the comments and questions was weird um it seemed really out of character that nobody would add any comments or insights whatsoever, but it was like talking in a vacuum, kind of weird. And then afterwards, uh, Kathleen had messaged me and I had already looked up the GoToWebinar reports and saw that there were lots of comments and questions. <laughs> so we may revisit that topic at some point again in the future, just because it's a fun one, but anywho. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. I don't know if it's snowing where you are, but it certainly is here. And uh, yuck. It's one thing about being an entrepreneur working at home is that you don't get snow days, really. <laughs> it's not affecting my workflow at all. Um, but we did have to close our stores. So anyway, we'll talk to you next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Have a good week, everyone.